Blog Talk Radio. Hey, my brothers and sisters, fellow entrepreneurs around the globe, it is 0600 hours Eastern or Romeo few nautical types, 1000 hours Greenwich or Zulu time. This is Rudder Radio, your guide to thrive in any economy. I'm William Eastman, Managing Partner for Applied Knowledge Labs North America, better known around here as the Labs. Uh, we're a business research company, and what we do is we change the formula for business success for companies from zero to $50 million in revenue, regardless of what the economy is doing to you at the moment. I'm your host for the next 30 minutes, and today's show is picking up on the missing links. Uh, for those listeners who uh, have been with us over the last two weeks, what we've done is we've looked at what were the strategies that made market leaders or market dominators, dominators, what did they do differently about their planning processes to say, here's the piece of market we want, stake it out and go after it. And yesterday we covered some of the things that in a 30-minute show you just cannot drill down into. Yesterday's show um, dealt with the issue of value proposition or of the three ways that any company can compete in the marketplace, uh, being a price leader because they're operationally efficient. Uh, being a product leader because of their investments in R&D to build the best possible product or to compete based upon the experience they provide the customer by being customer intimate. Uh, What we discussed yesterday is that all of the great companies are competitive in all three. Uh, All of the great companies don't try to compete in all three in terms of being primary or being great at them. But what the great companies do is, one, they're competitive, But really, too, is they pick one of the three and say, this is really our claim to fame. This is going to be the reason that we outperform everybody else. And then they have a secondary. And we used our own company yesterday as an example that our primary value proposition is operational excellence. I should say efficiency because we are price leader. We offer products, uh, uh, predominantly products that in the large corporate consulting market would cost five, ten thousand dollars a day, quarter of a million dollars a month, and we've taken many, many commas and zeros out of that equation, so the only way we could do that is to run a very tight operation. And then our secondary one is around product leadership. We offer products that would compete against the McKenzie's or the Accenture's. But, uh, and, and we do that in a way that's quite different from them. We use an open source model, much like uh, Linux uh, gets designed to software, and we have a large cadre of subject matter experts who contribute to that. So the yesterday's focus was there. Uh, the last piece of this in today's show, the missing link number two, which has to do with business models, is to say, is there any particular combination of how we run the company, how we go after com- uh, customers, how we deal with suppliers, uh, anything happening in the economic in the economy that would tell us how to tune, fine tune what we're doing. 
So this is the second of the missing links. And what we're going to talk about here basically is taking a look at what business models are out there and what combination of business models should you apply. And so as I get into that, I'm going to look at four factors, uh, four factors that you want to evaluate. There are economic factors, there are customer factors, there are supplier factors, and there are operational factors which are internal to the firm. And what you're doing here, the essence of it is, is that how are companies, your competitors, and companies who are in similar spaces that you have, uh, companies who run, may not be in your industry, but run an operation quite similar, how are they currently competing? How are they winning and losing? What is, is there any difference between the ones that are winning and the ones that are losing in terms of these factors? And not only for today, but also as you take a look into the immediate future, uh, what is your future horizon? Uh, we, we, we have an interesting paradox in our planning process in that our strategic plans are made quarterly, not yearly, quarterly. And that's a lesson I learned uh, back in the mid-90s when I was in a large consulting firm and one of our major clients was America Online. And one of the things I learned from America Online is that their strategic planning horizon was 100 days because what they knew is any plan longer than that uh, probably was not realistic because of the, the dynamics of their market. And so we have a quarterly uh, time horizon when we think short-term here. Long-term, we think in four, six, and 12-year cycles. And that has to do with uh, what, are, what is our growth plan? I mean, if you were with us when we did our whole series on uh, growth cycles, uh, one of the things we talked about is the companies that went from zero to a billion uh, had a commonality that they did it in four, six, or 12 years. And so that's how we pick our time horizons. How you pick them is up to you, but that is the context under which I want to look at these. So let's look at the economic factors. And this is not necessarily now looking at the economy, which we've talked about, but looking at how other people's are how other individuals are responding to it. For example, what is happening to profitability in the market? Um, for example, take the airline industry. Proper, uh, profitability basically disappeared a long time ago. And then what you saw was the emergence of new players in the market, such as uh, Southwest uh, quite a few years ago, and, and more recently, uh, ValueJet or what became AirTran and, and JetBlue, because the old models didn't work because of profitability going away, then the new models had to work. And it's the same challenge we got now. I can't tell you how many Internet seminars I've attended, both in person and also online, webinars, etc. Uh, my Twitter account, we get all this information coming from clients and, um, or per potential suppliers, I really should say. Very few clients are on Twitter. And you had all these people talking about how to make money on the web. Uh, the, the bottom line here is that nobody but nobody knows how to make money on the web. And they all talk about how to monetize it. That is not true. If you go to these seminars, you listen to these so-called gurus, uh, the best you can learn is what doesn't work because most people know that. And so, for example, there has been really no profitability model to speak of for the web yet. doesn't mean there won't be one, and more than likely there will be. But right now, it doesn't exist. So one of the economic factors that I want to take a look at is profitability. The second one is I want to look at what's happening around convergence. In other words, you're seeing a, a combination of industries. And, and that's what's happening in news, especially with newspapers. Newspapers are dying. 
Uh, our, I'm broadcasting this morning out of our Atlantic uh, regional office, which is in Richmond, Virginia. And um, Richmond, Virginia had two papers up until about 15 years ago. Now it's down to one paper, and the paper gets thinner and thinner, and they're laying more and more people off what's going on. Well, the whole issue around delivery of media has changed. And so what you're seeing is a, a destruction of a prior industry, and you're seeing a combination of industries coming together. And the day is not far off where a media company is going to have something like Twitter for immediate um, news flashes. You're going to have a internet radio. You're going to have internet television. You're going to have internet print. And you're going to have a brand new media configuration. And that's what I mean by convergence of multiple industries. Uh, another thing that you see if you look at it, the marketplace is a collapse of average or collapse of the middle in that those companies that kind of occupied the middle spot, in other words, they weren't on the high end, they, they sold incredible stuff or gave you incredible experience for a lot of money, or companies that sold you good stuff that was adequate, but because they didn't charge anything, they did well. Well, that's what's going on out there, and that's been happening now for about 10 years. Uh, the reason that uh, most retailers are dying is the high end is holding on, though it's, it's proven to be a struggle in this economy, but they are holding on. And the retailers on the bottom end, the discount retailers, are doing reasonably well in this economy, and it's the ones that have been in the middle uh, that have croaked. And, you know, Sears is being one of the great examples, though that's an older story, is exactly the story we're talking about here. Um, you're seeing also what economic factors is the emergence of a new standard in the market. Um, Microsoft was able to achieve that in the 1970s and 1980s when they were competing operation, uh, operating systems for computers. And, that, um, and no offense to Mac people out there, because Mac's a wonderful machine uh, for what it does, but Windows is the standard for operating systems. Well, what's happening right now, right now, is that uh, Linux, and especially Ubuntu, um, with their, uh, with their interface and the ease of use and the frequent upgrades is that a new standard in operating systems is being created. And I don't think the day is far off where it's going to be a Linux world. And so is that happening out in the industry? And then finally, obviously, always the issue of technology. What is technology doing to the play? And so those are five factors that, that we see when we look at our competitors and companies in, in adjacent spaces uh, to us what does that say about what we want to do with our business model? And by the way, I didn't say to you, and I just picked up on it, is that if you want to join us, you've got some choices. One is you can join us in chat now at blogtalkradio.com slash the rudder, T-H-E um, dash, no, hyphen, R-U-T-T-E-R. Uh, and you can join us by phone at 347-215-7471. That's 347-215-7471. You can also get us on Twitter. Uh, send me a twit, not a tweet, a twit at W. Eastman. And, of course, we always have our ubiquitous uh, blog, which is also on our show page site. And uh, that's up my uh, Rudder blog, and what that does is we always post the show notes, so if you want to know something about it, hello, hello, hello. Okay. And I've got some people joining me today. Uh, good morning to Nasty. Good morning to Flying Eagle. Um, and hey, anyway, if there's some questions you got as we go through this, hit me up. 
So we did economic factors. Okay, let's take a look at customers. What We see three things happening out there with customers, and how does that affect the business model. Number one we see is that uh, the, size, uh, the, the, the size of a common market of customers is significantly diminishing. In other words, uh, you're seeing that smaller and smaller segments are out there. As customers are becoming more sophisticated in their buying decisions, uh, what you're finding here is that you, it's getting more difficult to sell a universal product or service to a great many people. It's what type of variations in your product and service you're going to offer as you slice the ham thinner and thinner, so to speak. So there are fewer and smaller large customer segments to sell to, and what's happening is those segments have got much smaller with their own distinguishing characteristics. The second thing we see is that there's a whole shift here of who's profitable and who wasn't. On the customer side is that people that were profitable in the past aren't, and people that um, uh, weren't co profitable to you in the past are becoming profitable. No, and the example I give you here is that our strategy has been over since we went uh, live in January of 2006 out of our Calgary, Alberta office, is that we have been working with the private sector exclusively. We've stayed totally away from any public sector uh, relationships. Well. Uh, anybody who could read the tea leaves of the economy last year could see where we were headed and could predict reasonably well where we are at the moment. We shifted our focus over to uh, the public sector, uh, not the U.S. federal government because Lord knows you don't want to get in bed with them. But what we said to ourselves, okay, how is the state going to respond to this and is there a place for us on the state side? And so what we've done is we've been doing more public sector work in terms of agencies, organizations that work with small businesses to help them grow their companies. And rather than selling to them direct, we're now working with public sector. And so that's the issue with where's the profitability shifted. And then what's happening here also is you see some redefining is that um, there are new segments uh, busting out at any moment. And how do we go after those? For example, and one that we're wrestling with and what we're trying to do with our Twitter account is can we push out information to entrepreneurs using Twitter and go after a whole new legion of potential customers? And I can't tell you we're doing it with any success, but I'll also tell you that the experiment has already started. So with customers, you see three trends out there, uh, smaller segments, uh, more micro-segmentation, you see a shift in who's profitable and who isn't, and that's probably going to be very volatile over the next year or two. And also this is issue of new segments of customers arising and therefore a redefinition of who you go after. Now, the next one is interesting because I have a lot of when I work with small business entrepreneurs um, who kind of balk at this, but I say, look at suppliers. Um, if you're in the B2B business and you're, and you're not selling to consumers, uh, but you're selling to other businesses, what's going on in not only on their customer side, which we've, I think we've discussed somewhat length over the last month, but also look at what's going on on the supplier side because what's happening with suppliers is incredible for two reasons. It gives you some information in the market, but number two is most suppliers have pretty good infrastructure. And maybe we build a business around utilizing some of the infrastructure of our suppliers. Maybe we use our suppliers to take us to other markets. So what you see here in the supplier market, and it's real interesting, is that you're, you're seeing a duality. Here's the paradox. You see a multiplication of, of the supplier market, where you, there you're going from just a few players in the market to many players, hence the issue of outsourcing. 
Um, one of the things in the United States that's, that's quite true is that the vast majority of business growth in terms of jobs comes from small businesses, and why is that? Well, one of the big issues here, and some people currently are using this to say, well, see, small business is not that important because big businesses are outsourcing. Well, big businesses are outsourcing because they've got to. It's the only way they compete, and so they're creating the environment for smaller businesses. But there's a lot of that going on, is that things that are not core to the business, perhaps you shouldn't be doing and you should should be giving it to somebody for whom it is core to their business. And so you see outsourcing going on, so there's much, there are many more players out there. At the same time, you see in other industries more of a vertical integration, is that there's a concentration, and instead of many players, what they're doing is going to fewer and fewer, where they're either buying out their suppliers or they're just insourcing those particular products and services. So in another way of looking at the supplier market is you're seeing, in some cases, a reduction of the, of the value chain. In other words, in, in some, you have the manufacturer who deals with a middleman, who deals with a warehouser, who deals with a retailer before it gets the customer, and there may be four or five steps between a time something is produced and the end user takes it home. And in some cases, you're seeing a kind of a, a collapse of the middleman. Um, people that used to be in the warehousing business. For example, one of the revolutions that, um, that Walmart really brought to this is that back, if we go back, way back to the days of, early days of uh, Kmart when it was Kresge, and we look at some of the others that were in discount retailing, they pretty much used outside warehouses and in fact used the warehouses uh, to hold inventory because if you've got to pay tax on inventory, it's an interesting way to get around that is that you basically, uh, the warehousers almost buy it and then uh, Walmart came along and basically just vertically integrated the whole thing and they own the entire operation. So with the suppliers, in some cases, you're seeing more steps, sometimes, and in some places you're seeing fewer steps. But I want to look at this because it may give me an insight because the purpose behind looking at these factors as I'm trying to decide what is the business model that I want to use, is there any opportunity being presented to me that I can take advantage of? Is there any obstacles out there being put in my way that will prevent me um, from growing my company, and perhaps is there a way for me to tag onto it? And so let me stop here at uh, 19 past the hour, and just say to you that, just say a little bit about our company, and that I don't know where you're at, but I can tell you one thing: uh, I am uh, I'm tired of being tired. I, this issue of the economy and, and stressed out about it. Uh, I can't tell you what it's like for my clients and for us. And the, the, the thing that I always uh, remark upon and what was the basis of our business is how much uh, small businesses are out there and they're by themselves. Uh, there's nobody out there really trying to help. And the entrepreneur is, is the ultimate act of art, is that you take a dream, something that you have, and you transform that dream into reality. And, and it is an art of creation. And so that's what we do as a company. That's what we're about. We're here. And... Our job is simply to put the tools that you need in your hand so that you can grow your company regardless of the economy. And I think growth in today's economy is possible. Most companies are trying to survive. Your competitors are survival-obsessed. There's nothing wrong to be focused on survival, but I think what you can do is you not only can survive, you can grow your company. And if you're interested, uh, let me tell you, I can, I'll send you a document of what are, what are the best of the best doing in this economy right now to not just survive, but to strengthen their operations.
And so if you want to, if you want to give that a try, you can contact me at eastman at aklabs.org, A-K-L-A-B-S dot org, or you can call us on our new Skype hotline. And if you notice, one thing we are very good at is that we use a lot of free services and technology well, I believe. Our Skype hotline is 804-471-1660. Okay. So what we've done now is we've covered economic factors, customer factors, supplier. Now we get down to the operational issues. And what I mean by operational is what can I learn about what companies are doing internally to change how they run their businesses. And so let's take a look at products and services. If, if So, for example, if there's been a collapse of the middle and there's smaller customer segments, then what you find is that there's fewer and fewer opportunities to offer a blockbuster product, a product that just totally dominates the market, such as, say, Coca-Cola. It's incredibly difficult. So you may have a product that is not selling that well or selling okay, but the answer of the future may be, what if we took that product and modified it, or we took our service and modified it to fit these three or four small micro-segments that we've now identified what we can do is expand our product offer, and perhaps we can expand our revenue and our margin. And so I want to take a look at, is there some way of, of maybe building more? Or in some cases, you may have a confusing offer. One of the pieces of feedback we get all the time is that we offer too much. Um, I take that feedback in, and I look at it hard, and sometimes it's true. But basically, we have one assessment, an organizational assessment that is much like going to the Mayo Institute in that um, you go in there, you're not sure you got anything wrong with you, but you say to the doctors, do me. And they do you. And they do all these tests, and they come back, and they say, okay, let me talk about your blood chemistry. Then we're going to go through your CAT scans. Then we're going to go through the MRIs, et cetera. And they give you a full body diagnostic. That's what our assessment does. But then we also have a series of surveys. And what the surveys are are more of you go to the doctor and you're not going in for a general physical. What you're saying to the doctor is this, I turned my ankle and it hurts like hell. And now what do I do about it? And, of course, the doctor may want to run an MRI on the ankle, but they're certainly not going to do any blood work to find out whether you're not a diabetic, for example, and so, because it's inappropriate. And so we have about 30 surveys that we use. So if a client says, my problem is with customer service, then we can pull something out. That's a decision you've got to make. But what I want to say here is that as I look at how companies are operating, are they increasing their product and service offers, offers or are they decreasing them? And what does that tell me? Or even smarter, what a lot are doing now is they're creating a portal in that they have a base product that is a portal that once you get into, you once you get into this, there are multiple opportunities for upsell. And if you want to know what that is, think about an operating system on a computer. Is that the reality of life for, say, Microsoft is that, yeah, they want you on their operating system, but effectively their operating system is a way of selling you sweet. And so um, I, my advice to Microsoft would be on, on the new Windows 7, give it away. And then make your money off of sweet because you don't make that much money off of the operating system anyway. So that's the issue of portal, and what a lot of companies are doing is offering something basic, getting the customer in the door, getting the customer to like it, and then suddenly expanding upon that. Uh, a second one operationally is the use of knowledge in terms of how well are we data mining the operation? How well are we taking what we are learning about how we build and produce it 
to reduce the cost, to improve, improve the value to the customer, or on the other side, how well uh, is our sales force tracking customer usage and how the customer uses it and what value it provides to the customer so that we can take that data back into the firm. But one of the key areas, one of the big transitions in companies today, um, and the major difference, I would say, between uh, 2009 and 2002, because in 2002 I was still in large corporate consulting, um, the, the, this idea of use of knowledge, learning organizations, whatever fad name you want to give it, is that has dramatically changed and become a bigger issue in most organizations. And then the third one I want to take a look at is what structure um, are these companies moving to? Uh, what type of interesting and innovative designs uh, for organizational structure is, are they being driven to? And the more that I can look at what other people are doing, it's not that I want to copy them, uh, though I might. Here's what I want to do. I want to say to myself, gee, that's interesting. Why are they making that decision? And then when, as I look at it, I can say, smart move, what does it tell us, and can we learn from that? Or that's a dumb move, and you know we want to avoid it. We also want to learn from that. And so the purpose of today's show, as we wrap it up here, as we have about, by my clock, about five minutes remaining, is to say there, there are a couple things that I need to really think through as we talk about the coming up with a business strategy, because we're, we're going to move away from this. I'm not sure what the next series is going to be. That's something I'm going to work on over the weekend. Uh, we're probably going to look at the best practices of small businesses and talk about those directly, uh, but I'll, I'll just check out our uh, site, our show site, at blogtalkradio.com uh, slash the rudder, T-H-E hyphen R-U-T-T-R. Um, so, but what we've done is we've, we've basically taken apart all the elements except one of when these companies dominate, when they go from zero to a billion, when they go to zero to IPO, when they become the dog in the market, they become the Google uh, of today or the AOL of yesterday or in their particular industries like IBM has done in the consulting industry, uh, as they get into those positions, what did they do around strategy that say, hey, this is where we're headed? And that's what we've been focused on for the last two weeks. And so everything that uh, we talked about today and everything we talked about yesterday was related to element one of that, doing business in a new way. The end result of all this is you take all these snapshots that we've taken and you say, okay, what is your business model? Here at AK Labs, um, and I, I won't go into detail into it, but we basically we have five business models that we compete on. We've made a decision based upon not where the industry is, but where we believe the industry is headed, number one. Number two, um, and let me come back to that. Number one is we want to make sure that we build barriers to entry because at some point the big dogs, the McKenzie's, the Accenture's are going to come down market and go, hey, we want to get into this business. We're trying to make it exceedingly difficult, even though we're a very small firm, without the capital ability of those companies because they could easily wade in with a ton of dollars and make a significant difference. But when we look at what we're doing on our business model, that is one thing that we're thinking of. But also we're taking a look at the customers because we're basically got a new offer to a group of customers who haven't purchased what we've had and they're in a market that's unmet, but now they're suffering from incredible financial uh, challenges 
which makes selling even more difficult. So all we've done is said, here's the models that we believe are going to take us into the future, and it allows us to then monitor it. Because the one thing I do know in companies is you'll come up with a business model either on purpose or you will get one happenstance in terms of that's just the way you do business, and it's always smarter to do it on purpose uh, than it is to just organically kind of get there. And so that is... Um, hey, Flying Eagle, if you want to call, yeah, the number is 347. Um, let me give you here. You want to give me a buzz here. We're running out of time. 347-215-7471 if you want to give me a shot. Hmm. Hmm, I see that you're, I see that you're trying to call. Looks like we've got a... Hmm. Uh, on the air. I'm not sure here why you guys are not coming through. Okay. I apologize. The switchboard has not picked up. Uh, Flying Eagle, can you... Let me see here. We've got about a minute left. I'm not sure I can get it. I'll tell you what. For the people who have been trying to call in, I don't know why the switchboard didn't pick up. Here's the deal. Would you send me an email or you can hit me in chat. I will do two things. One, I will respond to you. Uh, with an email directly, uh, the first thing I'll do. The second thing I'll do is that I will raise those issues on Monday's show because on Monday what we're going to talk about is the last of the missing links, and that is the issue of branding and what is the importance of branding inside the firm. Okay, so that's where we're at. Have yourself a great business day, and uh, wealth and prosperity to everybody. So you take care. And looking forward to hearing from you over the next couple of days and seeing you on Monday morning. Ciao.